Welcome to Alternative News, produced by CICD, the Campaign for International Cooperation and Disarmament, and broadcast at 9.15am every Sunday morning on Melbourne's community radio station 3CR. Well, come on, all of you big strong men, Uncle Sam, need your help again. Got himself in a terrible jam, way down yonder in Vietnam. Put down your books and pick up a gun, we're gonna have a whole lot of fun. And it's one, two, three, what are we fighting for? Don't ask me, I don't give a damn, the next stop is Vietnam. And it's five, six, seven, open up the pearly gates. My name's Andrew, and I have with me Bevan Ramsden from IPAN, the Independent and Peaceful Australian Network. In our previous program, we discussed the history of the Vietnam War. Today, we'll discuss the growth of the movement in opposition to the war, which culminated in the historic Vietnam Moratorium campaign beginning in 1970 and involving hundreds of thousands of Australians from all walks of life taking to the streets to oppose the Vietnam War and conscription. Fifty years ago, on May the 8th, 1970, the first nationwide moratorium rallies in Australia were held following a similar campaign in the United States. Bevan, you were very involved in organising the campaign. Can you tell us why the moratorium achieved what it did despite intense hostility from politicians and the mass media? The 1962 decision by the Menzies Liberal government to send Australian troops to Vietnam initially had considerable popular support, with participants in the early anti-war rallies of the mid-60s being abused, assaulted, arrested and pelted with rotten fruit. However, this pro-war feeling began to dissipate, especially after the introduction of conscription in 1964 and the sending of conscripts to Vietnam in 1966. The Tet Offensive, launched by the Vietnamese Liberation Forces in January 1968, showed that the Americans were not winning the war as they claimed and the exposure in October 1969 of the My Lai Massacre showed their moral bankruptcy. The jailing of five women from the Save Our Sons anti-conscription group and other actions helped mobilise opposition to the war. Don't ask me, I don't give a damn The next stop is Vietnam And it's five, six, seven Open up the pearly gates Well, ain't no time to wonder why Whoopee, you all gonna die Now come on, generals, let's move fast Your big chance is here at last Now you can go out and get those reds Cause the only good commie is one that's dead And you know that peace can only be one When you're blowing them all, the kingdom come Sing it! One, two, three What are we fighting for? Don't ask me, I don't give a damn Louder! Vietnam And it's five, six, Open up the gates Well, I ain't no time to wonder why We're all on the time This is people 
stop the war if you can't sing any better than that. There's about 300,000 of you fuckers out there. I want you to start singing. Come on. And it's one, two, three. What are we fighting for? Don't ask me, I don't give a damn. The next stop is Vietnam. And it's five, six, seven. Bevan, what would you say were the main factors behind the growth of the moratorium movement? There is no doubt that conscription was a major motivating factor, especially among young men, students and workers and their families. The movement which grew between 1964 and 1972 was specifically aimed at ending Australia's involvement in Vietnam and the associated conscription scheme. Opponents of the war were galvanised into action by the indiscriminate bombing and napalming of Vietnamese civilians and by a growing realisation that the war was a civil conflict rather than part of a downward thrust of communism. People also came to see that this war was United States' imperialist aggression that Australia was supporting and supporting at the same time an undemocratic and repressive regime in South Vietnam. Opposition to conscription focused on both preventing young men being forced into such a war and on the coercive and militaristic nature of the scheme itself. Whilst protest rallies and other forms of opposition to the war and conscription developed across Australia in the 1965-1969 period, many acts of mass civil disobedience also increased pressure on the Australian government. Thousands of young men became draft resistors refusing to register for national service and defying the call-up at the risk of fines and jail. Some were jailed, which fuelled further opposition to the war and conscription. Maritime workers refused to load ships carrying military supplies to Vietnam. Railway and public transport workers, public servants, teachers and many others went on strike, held mass stop-work meetings and passed resolutions calling on the government to end conscription and bring Australia's troops home. Student protests, meetings, teach-ins, sit-ins and occupations were held in universities across Australia. Newspaper advertisements with hundreds of signatures urging the breaking of the National Service Law were placed in newspapers and that act itself placed the signatories at risk of being jailed under the Commonwealth Crimes Act. There were public burnings of registration cards and and post offices which distributed registration cards were picketed and occupied with protesters sitting down and linking arms. One of the songs frequently sung as the police attempted to break up protests such as these was We Shall Not Be Moved. The union is behind us. We shall not be moved just like a tree that's standing by the water. We shall not be moved. We shall not, we shall not be moved. We shall not. How did the Vietnam moratorium campaign originate and how was it organized? 
By 1969, it was recognised that the anti-war movement would be more effective if it was coordinated nationally. Acting on a proposal by Melbourne-based CICD, the Vietnam Moratorium Campaign was formed with branches in each state and a national coordinating committee. A major role was played by the trade unions, who had much greater influence then than they do now, having achieved a great victory in the famous Clarier-Shea penal powers dispute of 1969. However, in addition to trade unions, peace organisations, church groups, student associations and other community organisations, including branches of political parties, affiliated with their state VMCs. With the general demand of stopping conscription, opposing the war, bringing Australia's troops home, national days of coordinated protest were organised. On the first such day, 8th of May 1970, approximately 200,000 people voted with their feet in protest marches across the country. In Melbourne, 100,000 people sat down and occupied five city blocks in an unprecedented act of mass civil disobedience. Further, national days of action followed in 1971. While the call to end conscription and end Australia's involvement in the war was the major rallying cry, people increasingly identified US imperialism as the root cause of the Vietnam War and called for an end to the US-Australia military alliance, which was responsible for drawing us into this immoral war. Bevan, how was the moratorium movement organised and who led it? I recall being told by a right-winger that it was got up by the commos. The moratorium was a genuine grassroots movement and was organised along democratic lines, with the direction of the movement being decided by mass meetings rather than decisions being handed down from a leadership group. Although these meetings were at times somewhat chaotic, with frequent acrimonious and prolonged arguments about tactics and demands, the urgency of the situation compelled people to unite around the basic demands, which were end the war, bring home the troops, and end conscription. As the movement developed, a network of suburban moratorium groups were established in Melbourne, Sydney, Adelaide and other locations. These groups did leafleting, rallies, public meetings and other actions which played a major role in building the movement. It's often hard to see the results of peace campaigns, but in this case it was very evident. These national actions and the broader anti-war and anti-conscription protests were politically successful, forcing the Liberal Coalition Government to begin winding down Australia's military involvement in 1971. When the Whitlam ALP government was elected in 1972, it fully responded to the popular feeling against the war and conscription by rescinding the National Service Act, bringing home the remaining Australian troops and releasing jailed draft resistors. In fact, one of the first acts of the Whitlam government after being elected was for Gough Whitlam to go to a jail and shake hands with a released draft resistor. May the 8th, 2020 was the 50th anniversary of the first national moratorium protest and planning is underway in a number of capitals and regional centres to celebrate the achievements of this campaign. Although COVID-19 restrictions have placed these events on hold, it is hoped they can be held later in the year 
and CICD Alternative News will announce the details when they've been finalised. Although the Vietnam moratorium succeeded in its immediate aims, the underlying problem remains. Australia still has a close military alliance with the United States and has continued to support and follow the US into wars of aggression in Afghanistan, Iraq and Syria, with the current danger being our involvement in a US war on China or Iran. The aim of the celebration includes learning from the past and applying those lessons to the present as we continue to campaign for an independent Australian foreign policy. For details of the deferred anniversary celebrations in Melbourne, email rennis-witham at aapt.net.au As always, CICD welcomes listeners' comments and suggestions, which can be emailed to peacecentre at cicd.org.au That is peacecentre at cicd.org.au My name's Andrew and Bevan Ramsden. Good morning and thanks for listening. Listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.